0: Good morning and welcome to the Mecco Sports Talk. I'm your host, Keith Dewar, for this Saturday, April the 16th, 2022. And yes, it is the same old song with this pathetic New York Yankees lineup. Every single game, it's the same crap with this offense. I am so sick and tired of Cashman. it's it's unbelievable. Now, before I get more into it, of course, if you want to listen to me, you could follow me on, you could Google me on uh, and type in the Mecca Sports Talk. You could follow me on Spotify and of course on Facebook and Instagram as well. And, you know, right now, I want to unfollow the New York Yankees at this point with how pathetic this offense is. You look at this offense right now and try to sit there and tell me, is this a is this a top 20 offense in baseball? The answer is no. Look up and down this roster right now. And sit there and tell me for one moment who you have ultra confidence in offensively. Maybe besides Judge. You know, I I mean and he and by the way, oh, he had to rest last night. He's you know, he's played for a week straight. Oh, he's exhausted. He's got to take a day off. And it's got to be against Baltimore, no less, who he's killed his entire career. But no, he needs a rest. He's tired. Oh, he's so stressed out. The contract negotiations. Oh, they didn't go his way. And oh, he needs a rest, a mental rest, a physical rest. Get the hell out of here with this garbage. I'm so sick of this crap. You know, I know they have technically one too many guys. So, you know, a guy gets a rest every day in the lineup, but give me a break. You know, do these guys really need to rest after a day or two, or a week? Come on. And is it really necessary to get Gleyber Torres in there every day? He sucks. He sucks. Plain and simple. The guy hit 39 home runs in 2019. He may not hit 39 home runs the rest of his career at the rate he's going. He's an automatic out now. He stinks. And speaking of stinks, look at catching. I don't care how many defensive runs you save or how many other BS analytic numbers you want to come up with. But when you got Higashioka and Trevino as as your two catchers, it's an automatic out. It's an automatic out. I mean, give me a break with these stupid analytics. Higashioka hit seven home runs in spring training. Yeah, that's great. That was spring training. Now reality has creeped in and he's back to normal, not being able to hit a lick. So he's a total, they're a total waste at that position. Total waste. Then you get the shortstop with kind of Falefa. He's an absolute waste too at that position. He can't hit himself out of a paper bag. And the same thing goes for that stiff at third base, Donaldson. He stinks. $25 $25 million a year you're paying this guy? To sit there and do what? Swing and miss half the damn time? He stinks. And then you get to that real big stiff in left field, Joey Gallo. What an absolute waste he is. You're going to sit there and tell me this guy is relevant? I don't care how many gold gloves you win in left field there, Joey. Because right now, if you hit 180, that might be that might be good. He is horrible. He's hitting 4th or 5th in this lineup. He might as well hit 10th at this rate. Because that's where he belongs. Then you get to the other stiff in center field, Aaron Hicks. Another guy that can't hit a lick. Yeah, he's hitting 300 this year. Yeah, by what miracle is that? Because you know what? In clutch situations, tell me what he's done so far. Go look at last night as an example. Bases loaded one out. He has a 3-0 count. And of course, like clockwork, because it's the Yankees, he hits a 3-1 pitch right to second base, 4-6-3 double play, end of the inning. Another total waste. And then of course Torres, who can't hit a lick. And you're making sure he's in the lineup every game? For what? He's horrible. So right now, you look at this lineup... Maybe besides Judge, find me a guy that's going to be consistent for most of the year. Because, you know, Anthony Rizzo, yeah, fine. He's off to a good start, but whatever. You know, he's your your first baseman, okay, fine. You know, basically, but the only thing that they have left-handed offensively. And then Stanton, you know how Stanton is. Stanton goes through spurts where he could carry a team for a week or two. And then he goes through a couple of weeks where he's absolutely garbage. Which is basically what the Yankee offense is. The Yankee offense sucks. And if you're going to sit there and tell me that they're going to play to about a two, two and a half ERA for the whole year, then uh, you got another thing coming because it's not going to happen. They're four and four right now with the second best ERA in baseball or maybe the best because Houston got bombed last night. So maybe the Yankees do have the best DRA in baseball with the 4-4 and record. You're going to sit there and tell me they can't beat Baltimore? Who the hell was pitching last night? Jim Palmer? Moose Musina? Who the hell was pitching for these guys yesterday? Jordan Lyles? holds them to one run? I mean, come on. This lineup is an albatross, an absolute disaster. And again, I don't care about friggin' analytics. I care about wins and I care about losses. And whatever they got to do to get that win and or to lose that game, well, so be it. But you know what? They have to start changing the philosophy of this team, which is which means don't sit there and try to hit 900-foot home runs every single at-bat. Maybe hit the ball to the opposite side to get the guy to third base with one out. How about try that once in a while? Oh, but the analytics say you can't do that. You could take the analytics as far as I'm concerned and throw it into the friggin' shredder because that's where it belongs. I don't care about friggin' analytics. They don't mean anything to me. They might mean something to to Louie in the, you know the baseball operations booth, but it don't mean anything to me or to, the, to a normal Yankee fan out there because right now when you look at this team, all they try to do is hit 900-foot home runs every friggin' at bat, and it doesn't matter who's up there. And that's not a winning formula. I'm sorry. Because nobody tries to steal a base in this team. Nobody tries to hit the ball opposite field in this team. Everybody tries to hit the ball to Westchester. That's it. It's not a winning formula. And yes, so far, fine. They've gotten good production out of Severino. They've gotten good starts out of out of Montgomery. They had, had a good one last night. Although you're facing Baltimore. You're not facing Murderer's Row out there. So as far as I'm concerned with this team right now, you could sit and dream on if you think they're going to win over 92 games this year. Like what Vegas was saying. Get the hell out of here with that. I should have bet more money on them to win under-92 games. Because at this rate, with this franchise the way they are, and with the division the way it is, by the way, too, because of the fact that you know Toronto's going to be good, and I know they lost to Oscar Hernandez the other night, so the offense does take a pretty good hit right there. But they have a deep pitching staff. And they got Vlad Guerrero, who's pretty darn good. Hit two homers off of Garrett Cole the other night. Hit another one off of little wise ago, which I think just landed about 20 minutes ago. But I, I just, you know, a week into the season, and you could see the same old nonsense with the Yankees. It's been like this for how many years now? They can't get a guy in with less than two outs in scoring position. They can't. They just cannot. I think their average is about 180 right now with runners in scoring position through eight games. That's the lowest number they've had in 33 years, which is actually surprising considering how they've been the last how many years since they won a championship in 2009. So right now, you're a Yankee fan. You have to be just irritated as can be because this is the best lineup that they could come up with. It's pathetic. It's a real pathetic lineup. Now, if you look at the other side of New York City and you go to Queens, well, hey, look. Look at the Mets right now. The Mets are pitching tremendously so far between, obviously, Scherzer. Bassett had another good start yesterday, although the D-backs are horrible. Carrasco gave him a good start. Tyquan Walker, who, you know, of course, he's hurt again. No surprise. You know, the Mets have obviously issues in the rotation, but when you got McGill coming in there and not giving up a run in two starts, and then you got a guy like David Peterson who could at least give him some innings, they're going to be just fine because right now the offense is clicking. Minus the the whole thing with COVID issues right now. But Lindor has been great so far for them. Obviously, Alonzo is going to hit no matter what. Marte had a big day yesterday for them in their home opener. So the Mets are 6 and 2 so far. They look like a far superior team to me compared to the Yankees. I don't like saying it, but that's the that's the reality of things. The Mets are a much better team than the Yankees, and they will be a much better team than the Yankees. Maybe the Yankees get in the playoffs, but it's going to be one and out again because they can't hit in the clutch. That's been the Mets' bugaboo too for the last few years. But now they have at least an influx of guys that can do more than just try to hit 900-foot home runs. You know, Marte can run. Lindor can run. You know, they could put some pressure on you. The Yankees don't put any pressure on you, they don't do anything like that. That's too, that's, you know, that goes against the analytics. And as far as I'm concerned. I don't care what these other people on TV or on the radio say. You know, well, this is the way baseball is now. I don't care. To me, it's not baseball. It's not trying to win and lose games. we trying to win games. It's trying basically not to lose games. You know, you got to sometimes press the accelerator and be aggressive. And try to take that extra base. You know, like the Angel teams used to do back in the early 2000s when they had Chone Figgins. They didn't have a tremendous amount of power on their team. Maybe they had Troy Glauss and, you know, they had Garrett Anderson and Darren Erstad. They had, they had some guys in their team that were aggressive, you know, basically going along the lines of their manager, Mike Sosha. They were aggressive. They would take the extra base whenever they could and put pressure on the other team. The Yankees have no capability whatsoever to do that. And this is why I said last off season, you need to change the culture of this team and start with another general manager, and that's the end of it. And I don't care who the hell is out there that wants to sit there and defend this guy, Cashman, but after what you've seen now with this with this roster that they put together for two hundred and fifty million dollars and this offense is this? This is what you could come up with offensively. I I, I just I, I've had it. I've had enough. I, I've seen all I need to see at this stage. Because the Yankees sure as hell aren't going to continue the pitch like this. And I know their bullpen's good, although Chapman's a pain in the ass. You know, walks the ballpark the other day against the Red Sox, or against uh, Toronto, excuse me. But man, oh man. I mean, look at the Mets, though. Again, like I said, their lineup maybe maybe isn't the best. You know, if they get Jeff McNeil to continue hitting three hundred and they get you know, a couple of these other guys to do what they're doing right now, and, and Lindor plays like a superstar like he's supposed to be because he's getting paid like one, then the Mets are going to be just fine. And they're off to a real good start right now. But when you look at the Bronx, total disaster as far as I'm concerned. Their offense is a joke and a half. An absolute joke and a half. And if you want to sit there and disagree with me then you're on drugs. Because that lineup is horrible. Absolutely horrible. But from the Mets perspective right now, hey, they continue to look like this, they're going to be hard to beat in the in the NL East. And that's that goes for Atlanta, that goes for Philadelphia. And what and what is up with right now? What is going on? With the with the Angels as an example, you know the Angels, yeah, they got Otani hitting two home runs the other night, but man, oh man, I, you know, they look like a total disaster right off the bat. They look like a total disaster. Their pitching is horrible. You know, I know they got Noah Syndergaard. He looked good the other night in his first start, but how many innings are you gonna get out of him? That's the thing. And the Braves don't look good right now. I know I know it's only seven eight games you know it's early this and that I don't care about that when it comes to the Yankees because I've already seen enough enough with that with the offense but you know you can make your you can make your own uh predictions and this and that and your own conclusion draw your own conclusions when it comes to what you think a team is going to be and this and that I've seen all I need to see with the Yankees I have. Now, the Braves, they think they'll be fine. They'll be just fine. You know, they're they're starting the season a little slowly, but overall, they'll be fine. Are they going to beat the Mets in the NL East? I still think they will, but again, it's so early. A lot of things will happen. There'll be a lot of injuries, etc. And not for nothing, you know, Vlad Guerrero... I mean, he's the best player in baseball right now, and I I don't want to hear about Shohei Otani. Otani got bombed by Texas the other night, so please cut it out. Guerrero's the MVP the AL this year. I don't, and it, it it's going to be a runaway, as far as I'm concerned. That's how good he is, offensively. He he is phenomenal, a phenomenal hitter. He might be better than his dad, and his dad's a Hall of Famer which is crazy as it sounds. I mean, he might be better than his father was. And his father was an unbelievable player on both sides of the field. But right now, Guerrero, to me, it's not even a close second with how good he is, uh, offensively speaking. He is phenomenal. And, you know, and it doesn't even matter. Yeah, he had two home runs off of Cole the other night. Well, right now, everybody hits home runs off of Cole. You know, I'm not impressed with Cole I, when he's making $36 million a year. If the guy, you know, the guy needs to pitch like an ace, he ain't pitching like an ace to me. The Yankees are happy. They gave him, he gave him five and two thirds the other night. That's nonsense. The guy needs to be giving them seven innings a start, period. Go look on the other side of the of the boroughs. Would you rather have Cole or would you rather have Max Scherzer right now? And I know Max Scherzer's a lot older. But who would you rather have right now? That's an easy answer. At least for this year, you're going to want Scherzer. You know, in the spider attack nonsense and this and that. Which they do need to address that, by the way. Baseball needs to address the whole idea of making sure that the pitchers can get a grip on the baseball... And not, you know, try to kill somebody up at the plate. Joey Votto got hit in the face yesterday by a pitch. And we saw what happened to Lindor. With the Mets the other day. In their opening series against the Nationals. You know, this this type of stuff, you can't have that happen. You know, you could kill somebody. So they got to address that. But with that being said, you know, is that why Garrett Cole now is, looks like far less than what he was, well, maybe that's true. But that's the least of their problems right now because at least as a whole, the Yankee pitching staff has been good, but that offense is offensive. It's totally offensive. Seeing that garbage out there every damn night. They get one run against the Orioles last night? Come on, man. I mean, you know, give me a break. They better score about 20 tonight. I mean, who, who's who's pitching for the Orioles tonight? They're getting the, uh, one of the ushers out of the stands to pitch for Baltimore tonight? The Yankees will find a way to go, you know, one for 10 for runners in scoring position against him. That's how pathetic they are. Now, with the NBA playoffs about to get underway today, Whole slew of uh, games gonna begin. Obviously, the play-in tournament is now over. With the Hawks behind Trey Young, who was phenomenal in the in the second half last night, Hawks get themselves in, into the series against Miami with a big victory last night. And you know Capella, obviously, his injury is gonna be a big factor as to whether or not the Hawks can make this a long series against Miami if Capella's out then you might as well, you know, Miami in 4 or Miami in 5. If Capella plays, well, the Hawks I think could make it an interesting series. I still don't think they're going to beat Miami if they even if if they're fully healthy. But the Hawks with a with a gutty win last night in Cleveland to defeat the Cavaliers and send them home. And of course in the West, the Pelicans who you know, it would be nice for them to have Zion, which I don't know what the hell's going on there. You know, one side says he's healthy, the other side says he's not. But imagine if they had a healthy Zion right now to go along with Ingram and McCollum. I mean, they they would be pretty darn good team overall. Now they're not gonna they're not gonna beat Phoenix who right now, if you look at their, the way the brackets are set up, Phoenix has New Orleans, you figure that's probably going to go five games. And then they're going to get the winner of Utah and Dallas. And right now, Dallas without Doncic, they're not going anywhere. You know, that calf injury for Doncic, I'll be surprised if he even plays at all in that series. So to me, you know, Utah wins that in five max. But Phoenix, with the fact that you got New Orleans now and then potentially Utah, I mean Phoenix is basically walking to the Western Conference Finals. Now, the one series I'm curious to watch is is Minnesota and Memphis. You know, and I know Memphis had a great regular season. They were phenomenal without Morant. Now, Morant had some issues against the T-Wolves this year. You know, he only averaged about 20 or 21 against Minnesota. So it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how that plays out because Minnesota's got a bunch of exciting young players. I mean, Edwards is phenomenal. And, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, who looked terrible the other night against the the uh, the Clippers, you know, could cause obviously some major problems as well for the, for the Grizzlies. Now, the Grizzlies are going to win this series. But I could see that going six or seven games. I, you know, I I do, I like the Timberwolves, they're gritty, they're, they're young, they're hungry, which is basically what Memphis is also, you know, Memphis has had just a tremendous amount of, they've gotten a tremendous amount of support from their role players, and you know what, I mean, it's also refreshing to see that you don't have a a quote-unquote super team going out there. With guys that just you know all got to set themselves together like the Hollywood Fakers or like the Nets, but you see a team like Memphis doing it the quote unquote right way, and getting themselves a a number two seed this year in the Western Conference, but that's a, that's a series I want to see Memphis and Minnesota. It's a shame one of them has to lose. You know, I'd like to see Minnesota. I would have liked to have seen Minnesota get a, a little higher seed. But with that being said, you know, they're going to go down to defeat. But I think it's going to go six or seven games. Then, of course, you got Golden State and, and Denver. Well, right now, Steph Curry looks like he's going to be back. So that means Golden State's going to win the series. Now, if he was out, I would pick Denver. But I think Golden State probably wins that series in six against Denver with who probably should be the MVP in and Do- in, in Jokic. I know a lot of people you know are on the Embiid bandwagon, but you got to understand too, Jokic has much less talent on his team than Embiid. And quite frankly, you know, the stats look at the stats too. I know Embiid led the league in scoring, but Jokic is a, is a triple double machine. The guy is unbelievable. And to me with less talent on his team. That's who I would pick for MVP. Now I'm not saying it should be a blowout. Because Embiid should get plenty of votes. And I, and Giannis is going to get plenty of votes too. But in my opinion. I would pick Jokic As MVP. But with that being said. They're going to go down to defeat to, to Golden State. As long as Golden State's healthy. They'll be tough to beat. Now Granted. If Memphis advances, then you got them against Golden State. That would be a fascinating series. I would definitely be rooting for Memphis to win. You know, I want I want to see Memphis and Phoenix in the Western Conference Final. But, again, we'll see how it all plays out. As far as the East goes, hey, look. The most fascinating series in the East is clearly Brooklyn and Boston. And, you know, Boston... As a number two seed, you know, feel it feels like that they're fragile as a number two seed just because of the fact of who they got to play and the fact that they have a gaping hole now in the middle with the injury to Williams. And, you know, really, Brooklyn's got to take advantage of that. And I, I'm i going to pick Brooklyn to, to beat Boston in the first round. I think it's going to go Seven. I mean, it's not going to be a a cakewalk for Brooklyn by any stretch because, you know, look, their defense is horrible. Their defense is terrible. But they got the two best players in that series, in Kyrie and and KD. So the reality is talent wins. And I think ultimately, even though the Game 7 would be in Boston, I, I like Brooklyn in that series. Now... As far as Philadelphia and Toronto, hey, look. Nobody, and, you know, it's been said everywhere, and I'll reiterate it right now, but the most pressure on of, of any player in the playoffs is on Harden. He has to show up and show up big time for Philadelphia to go anywhere in the playoffs. You know, and potentially it might be Philadelphia-Miami in the second round. I mean, I think Philadelphia ultimately wins. But it's gonna be a long series. It's probably gonna go the full distance, in fact. I think Philly finds a way to win. Because, you know, again, they have the two best players in that series too. But you know, I don't I don't trust them by any stretch of the imagination. And and quite frankly, right now, you know, this is it. Harden has to show up. And he cannot be just an ordinary player in the playoffs. He has to show up and be big time for Philadelphia. And I think it probably ends in the second round for them because I think Miami will will beat them just because of their depth and their shooting. But ultimately, who gets to play Miami in the Eastern Conference Final? I mean, realistically right now, I mean, you're looking at probably a Brooklyn-Milwaukee Second round, I mean, assuming that Brooklyn can advance but Milwaukee's going to annihilate Chicago, that's not going more than five, but brooklyn and, and Milwaukee would be a fascinating series because we know what happened last year in the in the semis with that series, which was a great one but i I just feel like Miami and Brooklyn are going to be the uh the two left standing in the east and i think phoenix gets to the final in the west as far as who they play though well i don't know i i feel like you know and i know a lot of people on brooklyn's bandwagon and they're going to figure out a way to do it i don't i'm very torn on who i would pick between miami and brooklyn right now if i had to pick one of them i'm going to go brooklyn and i don't like it because of the fact that hey look you know I mean, we know about the stupid mandates with you know, you know a visiting player could play and then the home player couldn't play, which is totally ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. Thank God they got rid of that, although granted, for the real the real life people who don't have a job, that's a whole different bowl of wax. But as far as Brooklyn goes, hey. The Bucks going to stop ultimately with their defense. And they have to get back Ben Simmons to really have a shot to get to the finals. And how stupid is it by the way? The guy sits out the whole year and now he wants re- he wants he's filing a grievance to get his money back. Give me a break, Ben. Get out on the damn floor and play. How about do that? I don't care what sort of mental you know, you're, you're, you're not uh, all there mentally in this and that. You got to get back on the floor. Get on the damn floor and earn your damn paycheck. How about do that? Like half these stupid baseball players who, oh, they need a rest because they played three days in a row. Give me a friggin' break. We know how overpaid these, these athletes are. But, you know, the mentality now. Oh, they need a rest. They need a rest. They're tired, oh, they're drained. They're they're mentally drained. They're physically drained. I don't know about you, but you know Michael Jordan. Hey, he had no problem playing every single game. Larry Bird, if he could hold up with his back, he was out there every single game. It didn't matter. And half these other and and half the baseball players, Ken Griffey Jr., his ass was out there every single day. If he was healthy, he didn't need a rest. Because he's tired. And I know these athletes make a ton more money now than even back then. But still. These guys need to earn their damn paychecks. So to sit there and talk about now Ben Simmons is filing a grievance to get all his money back? Get the heck out of here. You know what? Just sit out the rest of the year. How about that? But the Nets need him. Because without Ben Simmons, the Nets will not get to the finals. So, if he's coming back Game 4, Game 5, Game 6 of the series against Boston, well, they sure as hell is going to need him. Because they're going to need the continuity out there. And they're going to need him to be the guy, ultimately, to stop a guy like, like Tatum. And, and that's it. So, if you get Ben Simmons back, I think they'll get to the finals. If they don't get him back, well, then they could go out. They could go out in the first round, but of course the the key the key to the series is really you know I mean hey you got the two best guys out there on the floor in KD and Kyrie, so from for me and the fact that they don't have Williams in the in the in the paint for Boston I think right now even with or without Simmons you got to say hey look. Brooklyn is going to be tough to beat. And I think they'll they'll win that series in seven. They'll win the seventh game up in Boston and move on to face Milwaukee. So, again, it's one of those things that, you know, Brooklyn's a seven seed, which is hard to believe based on what they've had this year. And I know with Kyrie playing, you know, less than half the games or whatever it was. But ultimately... Talent, as I said, wins in the playoffs in the NBA. And we know what defense is like now in the NBA. It's non-existent. So, but Brooklyn just has to get enough out of that defense in order to to advance. Because you got two scoring machines in Kyrie and in KD. So right now, give me them over Boston I would take them against Milwaukee also and and Miami it would be a toss up in my opinion just because Miami has such good shooting and you know again they have a good amount of depth in that team so it would that would definitely be a 50-50 coin flip early for me now on the hockey side of things the regular season is about to come to a close pretty soon Next two weeks we should see where the Rangers end up in the in the playoff picture. Looks like they're going to probably finish second because schedule-wise, Carolina's got a little easier schedule in the home stretch. But hey, the Rangers have an, an elite goaltender. They have a couple of guys obviously elite offensively on their top six. And they also have Probably the best defenseman in hockey in Adam Fox. So they have a tremendous amount of upper echelon talent. The question's going to be whether or not, because of the fact that they have a lot of youth in this team, you know, whether they could beat what's considered <clears throat> to be an older, more veteran team in Pittsburgh. Because that's likely going to be their first-round opponent. Now, they've had good success in the regular season against Pittsburgh. Playoffs are a whole different beast. You know, can they win that series? I think they can. On the other hand, I think it ends against Carolina probably because to me Carolina's deeper and better overall than the Rangers are. I mean, of course, all you need is a hot goaltender to get you through a series. So by no means are the Rangers going to be big underdogs against Carolina, but I think ultimately the depth wins out. And I think Carolina wins and gets through the Metropolitan Division playoffs. And it would be a fun series if you saw Carolina and, and Florida as an example. I mean, those two teams, you know, right now Florida looks like the team to beat in the in the in the East. In the West, it's pretty much Colorado and everybody else. You know, I, I mean, I'd be shocked if Colorado doesn't get to the finals. And I know they got. Taken out last year by Vegas, but right now, Colorado to me looks like the team to beat by far in the West. But from the Rangers' perspective, and I picked the Islanders to win the Cup this year, and, well, that's obviously not going to happen. And the Islanders, man, man, oh man, have they gone through, uh, you know, with their alumni in the last few months between Clark Gillies and now yesterday, Mike Bossy passing away. And you know what? Not for nothing, I didn't get to see really much of him in his heyday. But Mike Bossy, when you think about what he was from an offensive standpoint, he's, without a shadow of a doubt, probably in the top three among pure goal scorers ever. 573 goals in about 750 games. Just imagine if he played like 1,200 games. How many goals he would have. I know it was a different era and everything. And a lot more goal scoring. And the goaltenders didn't have the the equipment. And this and that. Like they do now. But. Bossy was unbelievable. And that line of him, Trottier, and and Gillies. Yeah. Good luck going against those guys. That's how good they were. and You know, so... You know, that was obviously, if not the greatest dynasty in NHL history. It was right up there with the Canadian dynasties and the Oilers in the 80s as well. But right now, when you look at, um, I mean, Bossy's numbers were unbelievable. 50 goals every year. You know, if it wasn't for a bad back, right now Ovechkin might be chasing Bossy for the old-time goal-scoring lead. I mean, because quite frankly, that's how good he was. Unbelievable wrist shot, and man, oh man, there was just about nobody better than Bossy as a pure goal scorer. Now, as far as, uh, well, football goes, I mean, there's nothing really crazy going on right now on the football side of things, other than, well, of course, if you want to watch some USFL or XFL, that's upcoming. But uh, NFL draft is coming up in a little less than two weeks. Again, we're going to see what the Giants ultimately do, the Jets ultimately do. Uh, You know, in the grand scheme of things, the Giants, we know they need a lot of help. They don't have a lot of cap space really to do much of anything else. You know, I'm not faithful in, I don't have much faith at all in what they're going to do with this team in the next year or two. It's going to be obviously a, an uphill battle, you know, because ultimately it's whether or not the quarterback is for real. And we know really what the answer is to that question from a Giants standpoint. Right now, very little faith in Daniel Jones and company. So without a quarterback, you're not winning, period. So that's the that's the way it's going to be with regards to that. And that's basically it. So again, I will be back on during the week, probably to complain about the Yankees once again with their inept and whatever kind of offense you want to say that they have, but there are plenty of negative words you can you could say about it. Inept is probably a kind word at this stage to talk about that offense between catching, between Torres, between Donaldson, between Gallo, between Hicks, an absolute albatross of an offense for this team. And one more thing before I go, too, because I should have mentioned it earlier. But, you know, when you look at the Mets, just, you know, look no further than the manager. You know, Buck Walter was the guy, the right guy for the Mets to get. You know, they, they did the Luis Rojas experiment. They were going to bring in Beltran before the whole controversy with the with the cheating scandal with the Astros. But ultimately, the Mets got the right guy with Walter because he's done it in New York before. And he's a baseball lifer. And the guy, you know, he, he doesn't let anything get by him at all. And the reality is, there was no better guy to go get from the Mets standpoint than him. And, you know, I know it's only eight games in. But with a veteran ball club like the Mets have right now, you need a veteran presence heading the team in the dugout, and that was the right guy for them to go get. Now, you know, it's only eight games. Are they going to go win a World Series this year? Well, they're going to need a healthy DeGrom in order to do that. And by the way, when it comes to him, not for nothing, but he, you know, Do the Mets really want to, if he's going to opt out at the end of the year, do the Mets really want to go spend all this money to bring him back when the guy can't stay healthy? I mean, I know pitching's hard to find, but DeGrom's going to be 34 years old. And, you know, the reality is, if he's already breaking down like he has in the last couple of seasons, do you really want to shell out $40 million a year for him? I mean, to me, that's an easy answer, and the answer is no. But right now, they got a big decision to make coming the offseason. And really, and the reality is, too, if you're DeGrom, I mean, who out there is going to give you $40 million a year if the Mets don't give you $40 million? You know, because quite frankly, you're going to need to show in the second half of the season that you're healthy. Because otherwise, a team like, you know, just throwing them out there, the Yankees. The Cubs, the Giants, the Dodgers, any big market team, the Red Sox. Are they going to really want to go spend $40 million if you're damaged goods? $40 million a year? I don't think so. So really, he's fighting for a long-term contract. And he's going to have to show it in the second half of the season that he's healthy. Because otherwise, you know, you could opt out, but you aren't going to get what you're wanting from anybody. And go look at Michael Conforto. He's still a free agent. He hurt himself in the offseason. He's still rehabbing. He's still unsigned. You know, he probably wanted $20 million a year from somebody. He ain't going to get anything close to that now. From anyone. And why would you? Why would you spend all that money on him? You want to see him be healthy first. And then and then you want to throw a few bucks at him? Fine. But I think DeGrom ultimately made the wrong decision by going out there and saying that he wants to opt out you know, before the season even started, and now he's hurt. So if he does not come out in the second half of the season and pitch anything close to like he, he has been in the past, pitching like an ace or the best pitcher in baseball, then quite frankly, you're going to have to put your tail between your legs And you know what? Not opt out. And stick around with the Mets for another couple of years. Bite your lip. Hey, Scherzer's making more money than me. Well, you know what? Ultimately, he's a Hall of Famer. A first ballot Hall of Famer. And he deserves the money. And he's, for the most part, stayed healthy. But from DeGrom's standpoint, hey, if you don't give the Mets what they want and what they need this year to try to lead you to a, to, to lead them to a championship, then you know what—you can't opt out at the end of the year. You can't do it because you're not going to get the money from another team. The money that you're looking for that you think you deserve, and quite frankly, right now you don't deserve because you can't stay in the field. So that's going to be a big story in Queens going forward to see what happens with the DeGrom. But right now, if you look at the two teams in New York, would you rather be the Mets or would you rather be the Yankees? And I know it's only eight games, but it's a very easy answer. Maybe things change next week, but I don't have faith in the Yankee offense to show that whatsoever, because there are too many easy outs in that lineup. You know, at least from the Mets' standpoint, maybe they don't have the best lineup, But you know what? They got some professional hitters in that lineup. And whatever you want to say about Cano, the guy's a professional hitter one way or another. So, and you would love to have him, even though all the the PED nonsense being what it is. Still, a ton of teams would love to have him. At least from the standpoint that he puts the ball in play, he's a professional hitter. Although I'd like to see Dom Smith get some more bats if you're a Met fan problem is where you're putting them maybe for the next little while maybe he gets in the lineup because of the covid situation with the Mets but for right now right now that lineup looks eons better than the Yankee lineup and that's probably going to continue going forward but don't worry because the Yankees have analytics they have All these analytics on a spreadsheet. Whatever you want to call it. They could take the analytics and shove it up their ass. That's the way it is. Because it isn't going to lead them to a World Series. You damn as hell for sure know that this team ain't going to win a World Series the way they're constructed right now. The Yankees. $250 million. This is what you get. An inept offense. With no signs of life. Whatsoever. But rest assured. You know. Stanton needs a rest. Judge needs a rest. Rizzo needs a rest. Josh Donaldson needs a lot of rest. Joey Gallo needs permanent rest. From swinging a bat. That's what this team has come to now. Disgraceful. $250 million dollars. This is what they come up with. Get rid of Cashman. Please. Please. So in any case, that'll do it for today. I will be back on soon to uh, to give more thoughts about the Inept Yankees and what looks like a team in Flushing that clearly looks uh, head and shoulders above the team that resides in the Bronx and above a lot of other teams. At at this point as well so again everybody enjoy your weekend I will speak to you next week and tonight of course we'll see what the Yankee offense could do against the Usher that will be pitching for the Orioles maybe they could get two runs tonight maybe tree we'll see how it goes speak to you soon